guys. Give it up for Pastor George. Thank you. Well, thank you, Pastor Scott. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, morning, Novation. You know, I brag on you guys all the time. No, we do. By the way, my wife Cheryl is here, and with our friend Stacy, she's here, came along, and uh, looking forward to seeing you all this morning. Uh, Yeah, Scott was with us, and kudos, just what a blessing to know Scott, and to watch him grow in the faith. Uh, He's one of those that was hungry, uh, inquisitive, Uh, he liked to study, uh, which is good. He believes in discipleship. How many believe in discipleship? Jesus, Jesus said, go and make disciples. In other words, we're disciples, simply someone that's going to follow Jesus in his footsteps as much as possible. If we can do that, then we've done a lot. And so Scott spent what, 15 years on staff with us at Faith, and what a blessing that was. And uh, had mixed emotions when he came to me that day. And said, listen, I, I believe I want to start a church. Uh, would you pray about that? And you know, in his heart, he was really saying, if you don't believe it's right, I'm not going to do it. I remember that. But I knew it was in his heart, and we prayed about it, and we felt it would be really good. Aren't you glad? Yeah. Aren't you glad? Yeah, you're the benefactors of that for sure. Uh, so he launched out and began his work and... Uh, just to watch it grow and, and to see the fruit of his ministry is a blessing. So, last week we celebrated the birth of Christ, the coming of our Lord, as fulfillment to his promise that he would do it. And I want to move on now. So that, that's recorded in the Gospel of Luke in the first chapters. And I'm sure you either read it uh, at home or you read it here, or the verses around the birth of Christ. Uh, I'm going to take you all the way to the end of Luke, chapter 24. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your machines, whatever that what that might be, bring it up in your machine. I, I, that's what I tell my, my kids. I say, look it up on the machine. And so they know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, so look it up in your machine. Luke chapter 24, we're going to look at several verses there because I, I want to read the whole context of this story that is being told at the last chapter of Luke 24, verse 13, and we'll go through 32. And it is going to come up on the screen, so you've got many ways to look at it. So let's look at it together. Luke 24 and verse 13. That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Note that, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleophas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed they were at the tomb early in the morning, And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had not seen 
They had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him to str- strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward the evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Wow. I would have liked to have been one of those. You have Cleopas. They don't mention the other name. I like to put my name in there. Cleopas and George were walking along the road. I like to inject myself in many of the stories of the Bible. Sometimes I dream what it would have been like to be with Jesus and walk with Jesus. But as all of us know, that was their time. And now it is our time. I want to hang out on this verse particularly. And it's chapter 24, verse 21. But we, say it with me, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. But we had hoped hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, our title today is Hope for the New Year. And I thought immediately, Esther Scott asked me to be with you this morning, that if there's anything that we need in our life for 24, and there's lots of things probably, but hope has to be one of the most important things. Hope for the new year. Now, By the time you get to chapter 24, Jesus has been crucified, he's buried, he's resurrected from the dead. Now you can uh, argue over a lot of things uh, in Christianity, but in reality, without believing in the resurrection, we would not have Christianity. Christianity begins with the resurrection. Our journey begins with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all the things that Jesus did, the most difficult thing for the disciples to believe was in the resurrection. The disciples knew he could walk on water. He knew he could open blinded eyes. He knew that he could cause the lame to walk. And yet they struggled with this one thing. And that was believing that there would be a resurrection. This struggle is really seen in this story that we read of these two men on their way walking back to Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And they're wrestling over what they had seen take place in Jerusalem. Now, they were there with the rest of the disciples. It was Sunday morning. 
It's three days after. It's Sunday morning. They heard the report of the women who went to the gravesite and came back. They heard the report that Peter and some of the others went over to the gravesite. But because it was early Sunday morning, note this, they left Jerusalem and started back to their home in Emmaus. So although they heard, they had not yet seen the resurrected Lord and Savior. Two people on the road to Emmaus. And as they're walking along, as they're talking about the events that are happening, can you imagine that conversation? Do you believe it? I mean, Jesus, we, we thought he was the Messiah. I mean, look at the things we saw. What happened? You see, they had lost hope. They, they, they knew in their head these things, and yet they had no hope in their heart to go on. Jesus shows up in the middle of it. And he asked them, hey guys, what's going on? Now, whether they're just, their heads are down, whether they're so occupied with what had happened and not understanding what had happened, Jesus shows up, they do not recognize him. And, you know, one of the saddest statements that we could ever read about a believer or a Christian is, but we had hoped. And that's what they said. They were sad, and we had hope. If you listen carefully, we're listening to the testimony of two people whose hope had died. A resurrection took place, but their hope had died. Now, I don't know about you, but I know along my journey with the Lord, there are times when I have to confess that my hope had died. I mean, I, I, I came to the point where I believed, I believed, I believed, and then not coming about, my hope kind of just died or kind of went into a, a, a dull state, maybe I could say. It's a sad thing to be a believer and have no hope. To be a believer and have no hope. Now let me clarify something with the statement I just made. There's a subtle difference between faith and hope. Faith and hope are not the same thing. Faith is trusting in God, believing in God. Faith is trusting and believing that God can. Hope is that I expect that God will. Let me say that again. Faith is trusting and believing in God, believing that he can, but hope is expecting that he will perform. The difference between faith and hope. Faith is to believe that God is. Faith is to believe that God is real. Faith is to believe that God is able. Faith is to trust that God can. Hope is when I sit down at the edge of my seat I pull myself up to the table, and I'm expecting God to do great things. And I, I live my life that way. When I get up in the morning, I expect you, God, to change things today. I expect you, God, maybe I've prayed for months and even years 
that prayer, but I'm expecting this could be the day. Cheryl and I have this thing, Cheryl started it actually, that this could be the day that Jesus comes back. That's our hope, that he will come back. We knew he came the first time, but he will come back. I expect God to answer prayer. I expect God to make a way where there was no way. I expect God to open doors that seem to be closed. There's a difference between expecting and believing. I say that again. Difference between accepting, expecting and believing. Now, there's an issue, and it's not faith in most believers. I'd say that today the issue is not faith. I believe that most of you here, maybe there are some in here seeking still to believe, is there a God? But a majority believe in God here. But there's a difference between believing and expecting or hoping. You believe in God, but you don't expect. Somehow you've lost it. You know you've lost hope because too too many have resigned to the realities of life. Listen to Zechariah. And and believe there will be no change. You know, a life has a way of pounding away at your hope. It's constant. Listen, 2023 was a rough year for many of you. Generally speaking, look at our world. 2023 was a rough time for our world. And is. We're still in the middle of it. So the realities of life eat away at our hope. And we're not expecting anymore. Do we lose our faith? No. Do we have faith in God? Do we even have faith that he can? But we're not filled with hope and expecting. You know when you've lost hope, when you have no expectation that tomorrow is going to be any different than today. You know you have lost hope when you look down the road and have no expectation that there are going to be greater things ahead. It's sad to be in a place where you have lost hope. Hope is central and critical to the Christian life. I heard this recently. It said that man can live about 40 days, approximately, without food. Approximately, man could survive three days without water, eight minutes without oxygen, and one second without hope. Psalm 42, verse 5, the psalmist said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. Romans 15, 13 says, May the, Lord, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy so that you may overflow with, say it, hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we have the Holy Spirit there to help us. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. You see, with with a loss of hope, there's also a loss of energy. 
There's also a loss of strength. Hebrews chapter 6 of verse 19 says, hope is an anchor to the soul. Hope will hold your life together when the storms of life are trying to pull you apart. All of us at one time or another have struggled with hope. Jesus makes a deliberate, a deliberate decision to show up on the road to Emmaus. Why? To resurrect hope in these two followers. He was so concerned, these two followers, all that's going on after the resurrection. He has the angels come. He has the disciples running around saying, what in the world is going on? What did we just see? He's not there anymore. So they're all wondering all about that. He hasn't appeared to them yet. He goes and meets with the two on the road to Emmaus for one reason, to resurrect their hope. Jesus will show up in your situation to resurrect your hope. It's not God's will for you to live a hopeless existence. It's not God's will for you to hear bad news and think that that's the end. It's not God's will for you to look at a situation and say it's not going to get any better. It's not God's will for you to look at tomorrow and say it's not going to be any different than today. It's not God's will to say nothing will change It's always going to be this way. First of all, we need to understand that, and the question, how does hope die? So I want to give you three things, three ways in which hope dies. And here's where you might want to take a note or make a note of this. They're going to come up on the screen. When you know how hope dies, you can counter it if you want hope in your life. So how does hope die? Number one, hope dies when, listen, you remove yourself from the presence of the body of Christ. Camp on that a minute. You remove yourself from the presence of the body of Christ. Hope will always die when you decide you don't need to be in fellowship any longer. When you you're backed up from you back up from gathering with believers. Now, no, the two disciples left Jerusalem. They're on the road to Emmaus. The other disciples are where? Back in Jerusalem where Jesus told them to be. See, here's the problem. The upper room in Jerusalem Worship and prayer is taking place. They've been obedient, they're waiting, but they're worshiping, they're praying together. Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem until I come and see you. They left the place where the disciples were waiting and worshiping. They walked away from the presence of the body of Christ. The worst thing you can do, ever do, is when... Life hits you so hard. The worst thing that you can ever do when it seems like God isn't answering prayer, God is taking too long, is to step back from gathering with believers. Are you hearing me on this? When life hits you and your faith is being challenged, that's the time to press in closer to the body of Christ. 
Now, Hebrews chapter 10 to verse 25, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've quoted this scripture and ministered from this scripture to believers. And a lot of times I, I get the idea that, oh, you're just trying to fill the church. Or you just want people to be in attendance all the time. Here's what it says. Not forsaking our meeting together. It's out of the Amplified. As believers for worship and instruction. But encouraging one another as you see the day approaching. You see, things are not going to get much better in our world, folks. Now, that's not a negative statement. That's based on the truth of God's Word. We're here to counter the evil in our world through our prayer and our presence and our witness. But things are going to get tough. And the tougher things get is the more you need this right here. Walking in that door, I can't tell you how much I was encouraged at just seeing smiling faces and then seeing people I hadn't seen in a long time and giving them a hug and greeting them and starting to talk. Man, my faith kind of like, my hope that things are going to be better today just like went through the roof. It's the truth. It's not trying to fill the seats. It's the word of truth that God knew we would need this. Listen to their conversation while walking. They left the other disciples. They're not encouraging each other. Did you get that? They're not encouraging each other in their faith. They're feeding the hopelessness. They're fueling the negativity. They're sowing into the pessimism. All they're talking about is how bad things were back in Jerusalem. That's where Jesus shows up in the middle of that type of conversation. How, it, how they didn't expect things to go this way. It shouldn't have happened this way. You see, when you pull back, when you leave from the presence of believers, you open up yourself to all kinds of voices. And I want to tell you, the voices that we're getting on the news, the voices we're getting from the movies, the voices we're getting from the culture, they will pound at your hope. So your hope eventually will die. And the only thing to counter that is to be with believers. Consistently, constantly, pressing in. Is it always easy? No. To get up in the morning when you had a long night the night before, but is it worth it? eternity is in the picture here for you. Your victory is in the picture here. Your hope is in the picture. This. They weren't encouraging one another. They were discouraging one another. We need to be connected with believers. Hope dies when you remove yourself from the presence of believers. Number two, hope dies when you refuse to wait on God. When you refuse to wait on God. If I were to ask, I go to do it. How many like to wait? <laughs> now I know one in here that does not like to wait. Look, her hand's gone up. It went out immediately. <laughs> because she knows she does not like to wait. If we're at the grocery store, she is moving from one aunt row to another row. Oh no, back there is going to be better. <laughs> Honey, it's not going to work that way. We get in traffic and she says, oh, this, she just does not like to wait. But she has all of the other best qualities you could ask in a woman. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Hope dies while we refuse to wait on God. Listen, what they say to Jesus, we left and it's the third day. It is the third day, resurrection day. We quit and left on the third day. They left too early. They left too early. They left early in the morning. They left before the evidence was standing before them. Resurrection is not yet verified until later when he appears to them all. Now, all of our promises are rooted in the resurrection. They're found in the resurrection. They're the foundation is in the resurrection. And here lies the problem. Why we lose hope. We have, listen carefully to these last points. We have misplaced hopes. We have misplaced, we, we place our hope in people. We place our hope in places. We place our hope in things. We place our hope in government, God forbid. We place our hopes in opportunities. We place our hope in investments. I hope my team wins. How many said that? I hope my team... Listen, I was hoping Penn State was going to win yesterday. Disappointment. (laughs) But I was really hoping that Georgia... You realize Georgia hadn't lost in 29 games. They were number one. They lose to stinking Alabama by three points. And they're bumped from number one to number six and out of the playoff. Something's wrong. There, there should be an investigation into that. So what did they do when they started that game? I said, this was, this was my hope. 70 to nothing. It was only 63 to 3. <laughs> and they were using their second and third string in the second half, by the way. I don't want to get off on this too much. <laughs> we have misplaced hope. We hope that a team, we hope for the government to change. We hope for our investments will hold on. That brings disappointment and discouragement. This kind of hope, listen to this. Write it down if you can. This kind of hope is based on probabilities. Biblical hope is based on promises. Probabilities. But we have promise of God's word. The promises are grounded in the resurrection. Isaiah 41 says, Those who wait on the Lord, what? Are hope in the Lord, shall renew their strength. Number three, hope dies when we fail to remember the promises and performances of the miracles of Jesus. When hope is dying, we've got to remember what he said and what was seen, or what we've seen. Back to our story in Luke chapter 24. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them them all the things the scriptures say concerning himself. Now remember, they had lost hope, right? Jesus goes back and he starts what? Rehearsing all the promises of his coming, what he was going to do, what God was going to do for their future. Jesus is going over all of them, these promises concerning himself. We need to know well all the promises God has spoken over us. 
And the only way you can know well is be in the Word of God, is hearing the Word of God, is rehearsing the Word of God. Because, listen, do it when you can do it, because when life hits you, it's very difficult. But this is the thing that will keep your hope up. David said, Thy word I have hid in my heart. Psalm 28 says, The Lord is my, my strength and my shield. Psalm 91 says, A thousand may fall at your side and at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Deuteronomy chapter 31 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged. The Lord himself goes before you. Psalm 23, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. First Peter says, New Testament, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You see, just those verses right there, if you knew those by heart, and when your hope seems to wean and die, these verses will pick you right up off the floor. And there are a lot of others. Jesus gives them a Bible study. And after the Bible study, then look what Jesus does. He goes into the house. Now catch this. He goes into the house, and when they were at the table eating, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And then what happened? Their eyes were open immediately. And at that moment, hope was restored to them. Why? You see, probably we would say, well, because the Last Supper, and we we, we celebrate the Last Supper all the time, the Lord's table, the breaking of the bread, and the blessing of the bread. And, but you see, those two disciples were not at the Last Supper. When he broke the bread, and he blessed it, and distributed it. Follow me on this point. In order for hope to be maintained, hope we must remember the promise and what he did. I believe that Cleophas and the other remembered was an incident in the life of Jesus when they were following him in the northern part of Israel when there were 5,000 people there and they didn't have any food and Jesus took the bread and he took the fishes, he broke it, he blessed it, and he passed it and their eyes were open. He performed that miracle. They were reminded of the miracles of God. You need to remind yourself of the things that God has already done. The miracles of God. That was the miracle. When I faced what I thought were hopeless situations, here's where I go. I remember when I was a hopeless situation. I I never get tired of remembering my hopeless situation. I never get tired of Jesus coming along my road, joining up with me and saying, what's going on in your life? And me begin to pour out my heart to him and saying to him, God, I don't know if you're real. If you are real, then give me what I saw down there. Those were my exact words at my salvation's moment. He walked alongside. He came into my life and he began to teach me about his promises that were fulfilled in my life. And then as I look back at all the promises that he has done for me, for Cheryl, for our family, for our children, and here I am down the road many, many years, and I have an advantage when you're down the road a little bit. There's all the more you see about the miracles and the promises of God being fulfilled in your life. My hope 
comes alive when I think of these things. My prayer for you in 2024 is that you will be filled with hope and expect God to do great things. And you can do great things. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I'll leave you with this kind of benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, I thank you for this precious body of believers gathered here on the first day of the week to Lord, honor you and to be with you. But to be with each other. Lord, that's how you designed it. That's how you planned it. And my prayer, Lord God, is that their hope, and maybe it's as a result of this message or just being together today, their hope will just be lifted up, oh God. They'll be filled with hope where comes joy and peace in the middle of it. Lord, things are going to be together. Why be better? Why? Because you promised it, Lord. Lord, we're going to see breakthroughs. Why? Because you promised it. Lord, we're going to see people touched and physically touched in their body. We're going to see people come to know Christ, Lord, that we've been praying for. Lord, we're going to be patient and we're going to wait on you to do a mighty work in their lives like you did in our life. Lord, if you did it for us, you can do it for them. So, Lord, all of these things, as we enter into 2024, Lord, forgetting those things which are behind, the negative things. Lord, we're not going to forget the good things because they're going to help us in 2024. But, Lord, we're not going to dwell on the negativity of it. We're not going to be discouraged, O oh God. Lord, we're not going to allow our hope to die. But we're going to expect we're going to expect, we're going to expect, Lord, to you to do great things. Why? Because you're a great, loving, compassionate God. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. And amen. Thank you, Thank you, Pastor George. That was a great word. Very timely, I believe, for a, a lot of folks. Um, as we go from each other today, let's keep each other in our prayers for this new year. If um, you want somebody to pray with you this morning, we'll have some folks up front here. I'd be glad to, to pray with you, agree with you in prayer over some needs that maybe you have. If you're new to church and to Jesus and you want to know more about him, we're here to serve you in any way we, we possibly can. And I want to tell you, church family, I love you. You guys are the best. And I love what God's doing here, what he's done and what he's doing and what he's going to do moving forward in this, in this new year. So, Pastor George, we're, we as Novation Church, as a community, are expecting God to continue what he's doing and, and bring new things. So... May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up your countenance. May you live in the abundance of his grace, love, and joy 
It's yours. In Jesus' name, amen.